to Burger Creek Productions' 15 Minutes of Fame podcast showcases a two-part finale, hosting special guests Gwenny and Lucy from the two-piece California punk sensation, Dog Party. Here's their song, Hit and Run. Gwenny and Lucy from Dog Party, welcome you two. How uh, welcome? It's not a podcast conversation. That's kind of like what I keep telling myself uh, before I go to sleep, and it still keeps me up. So anyway, welcome. I'm really glad mm-hmm. you guys are are able to carve some time out of this Thursday. How is that going so far? By the way, it's going pretty good. Yeah, it's been a great day for me. Uh, <laughs> the sun is shining. Nice. The sky is blue. Very cool. <laughs> now. W- I'm I'm curious, right? And I'm sure you guys get this all the time, but having played together in a band for now, I think is the past 13 years, what are some of the hardest challenges you've had to overcome, not only being a two-piece, but being a two-piece comprised of siblings? Um, I personally find being in a band with my dear older sister, Gwenny, is fantastic. And that being siblings we are okay sorry that was our dog he's like sneezing i want to put him outside (laughs) terrence is also about 14 years old wow he's a pug and sometimes he just has these little breathing episodes where he snorts a lot why don't you like read oh yeah um but as far as being in a band she was saying with my dear younger sister Lucy, I think that well, what were you gonna say, Lucy? Oh. It's just really powerful element that makes us stronger. Yeah, I feel like being siblings, a lot of people ask, like, oh, don't you guys fight a lot? And oh, like, isn't it weird being in a band with your sibling? Like, are there problems? And truthfully, the answer is pretty much no. Like. We don't really fight very often. We get along extremely well, and we work together very dynamically, and um, we kind of use the music as a secondary language to communicate with each other, and it just goes really smoothly, mm-hmm. like 95% of the time. So, um, nice. yeah. So with the world kind of still in the midst of this pandemic, has Dog Party's definition, your band definition of success, changed at all? And if so, how has it changed? Um, that is an interesting question. And I feel like for a lot of bands that tour constantly, this pandemic has been an adjustment and a shift just because being on the road, playing shows every night and getting like on tours is a lot of people's views of success being in a band. And I feel like that historically has been our view of success in a band mm-hmm. as well. It's definitely been uh, the longest time in I don't even know how many years where Lucy and I have been in the same place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for like the long duration of time. Yeah, like um, been... we started touring when 
I was 11 and my sister was 13. Wow. And we always had school to kind of counter everything. So we would tour like the minute school got out and then we'd come back from tour like the minute school started again. Um, so because of having to always go to school and whatnot, we, um, I just graduated college um, from Cal State Long Beach. Thank you. And my sister graduated college um, a little bit before I did. And um, so we always had the school and then the touring. But um, now that we're both graduated and everything, we were so looking forward to just hunkering down and touring for like a year straight. And it has always been like such a dream and like a goal for us to do that just because we always had the interference of school. Mm -hmm. And um, we finally were about to embark on that when everything came down with the virus. So it's definitely been an adjustment, but we've kind of had to like take a step back. I mean, everyone pretty much has to take a step back and reflect on really like what being in a band means to them and what music means to them. Mm -hmm. And for my sister and I, it's pretty much been like our whole lives. I mean, we've been actively in a band for like over half of our lives. So, um, you know, brainstorming on new ways that we can still pursue our passion and get ready for the future with future releases and whatnot. Nice. So time of uh, reflection, planning, execution, all that great stuff. Yeah, and like for me, I think it's been really inspiring to see how all these different industries have uh, taken, you know, the situation that we're all in and pivoted. Hmm. And it's as a musician, I'm kind of sitting here like wondering, like, what what I do like right. while I'm here. So it's, it's like something to figure it's out. It's kind of through. a good opportunity, like trying to look at the brighter side of this whole situation. But it's kind of like a good opportunity to really like reinvent yourself. And like if you want to go in a different like um, direction or like really try like a new thing and like really feel strongly about it, you can just like come back, you know, stronger and go with that that makes sense nice i like that <laughs> it's, I, it's seeing the light you know the the silver lining in a sense right mm -hmm. yeah now the first and only time that i saw your live set i hope it's not the last but the first and only time i saw your live set was when you opened for cj ramon in syracuse new york and although it's not my place to apologize i apologize for the lackluster turnout i don't know why you guys didn't get booked in albany i actually said that to you after the show and you're like oh we, we slept in albany i'm like well, you didn't play in Albany. Like, what, what's up with that? But anyway, anyway, um, I know that you're both, you know, you're both fans of rock and roll, punk rock, etc. And I'm not going to ask you about when you toured with Green Day, right? I want to know, what was it like touring with Ramon? How did you cross paths with, with him and his mm -hmm. band? But also, do you have any good uh, stories from that tour? Of course. So I fell in love with the Ramones when I was in middle school. I think I was like 12. And I stumbled across them. Previously, my whole life, my dad was the one that showed me artists and bands that I loved. Like, that's how I um, started listening to the White Stripes and, like, tons of other bands like that. 
And then so it was really like my personal journey. Um, the Ramon self-titled first record was the first CD that I actually like went out <laughs> and bought myself and like brought it back home. And oh, like, that's this awesome. Is stick. So um, I was like l- obsessed with the Ramones. I knew everything about the Ramones. I was like a little walking encyclopedia. And um, it was just like all day, every day, my brain was wired Ramon. Um, and then when I was 13, we went on a European tour with Kepi Gooley. We mm-hmm. were his backing band. Um, and we played a show in Italy with CJ Ramon. Wow. And it was like the sickest ever. I just remember being completely awestruck and just like, whoa. And especially like the Italians love the Ramones. Like it's a whole different like universe of Ramon loving people over there. And like a side note, because I was watching the show from kind of like the <laughs> side stage area, like kind of exclusive access. But Lucy wanted to get in the middle of all the action, and she got like so many yeah. bruises from the barricade. I was up on that barricade. Nice. <laughs> so at the end of the show, you know, I got to meet CJ, and it was a very brief like meeting. I was just like, "Hey, like you're awesome," blah blah. blah. And um. Gosh, I'm trying to, like, remember, like, fast forward, like, many years to when I was uh, 19. I think I was 19. Um, We're buddies with the Aquabats, and they had a big, like, extravaganza show at the El Rey, um, like, two years ago. And they're having all these really famous... Yeah, they had Snakey like, Steve Jones there, Weird Al, like, tons of people were there and they had cj as like a support act for the show and cj had just moved out to california Mm -hmm. from the east coast and they um he didn't have a band and he he was living in the bay area so he really wanted to ride his motorcycle down to play the show and so eagle bones of the aquabats was like hey cj I know who would be a stinking killer backing band for you. Um, and he suggested Gwenny and I. Because, like, Eagle Bones and Ricky Fitness, they were CJ's backing band for a couple tours. But since they were so busy with, like, the, like, the Aquabats were the main focus of the show, they did not want to be his backing band. And so they, he kind of just said, like, you know, Dog Party, they love you. And they want to be your backing band. And... So basically, um, we got the gig and it was like five songs we learned and just busted out on stage with him. And he was like blown away. And he was he was so happy because normally he has like really macho dudes playing with him, which is like great and fantastic. And they're incredible players, but they just want to play the songs loud and fast mm-hmm. and just da 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 da, which is awesome. But Gwenny and I kind of played the songs. Um, a little bit faster than the Ramones record speed, but still a lot slower than he had been used to. And we also backed him with some really pretty harmonies. And so he loved that like bubblegum aspect, early Ramones like point of view that my sister and I brought in. And he was just like, wow, like we got to do more shows. Um, unfortunately, we never got to play any more shows with him as his backing band, but we did have the opportunity to go on that um u.s tour with him Mm. we went up into canada too and cj is a really really fantastic person 
like everyone knows him as like the legend like a ramon like how snaking cool um and he is so cool and so incredibly talented but he's also just a really genuine individual and just very kind-hearted very great friend and he's an awesome dad he has a great family and so he really took Gwenny and I in like under his wing and like referred to himself as like Uncle CJ and <laughs> he was always there like looking after us like making sure that we were happy and like comfortable the whole time I think one of the my favorite memories was when we um, didn't have a long drive so we ended up showing up to the town really early and we found a bowling alley and we all went bowling and um, Pete, CJ's drummer and CJ were just like going at it, like strike after strike after strike. And I was watching like, what the heck? Like, how are they even doing that? And they like did the fancy yeah, curve <laughs> balls and all this cool stuff. And so Gwenny, Gwenny is pretty decent at bowling. She has like this really funny technique. <laughs> She'll like kind of walk up really slow and then just like not even really bring her arm that far back but she'll just roll a ball and it will go super slow but she'll get a strike and it's really <laughs> weird and so <laughs> i was over here like the ball going in the gutter like constantly well, like lucy has these like she's buff like her arms <laughs> like it's kind of hard to imagine but like she's got these biceps guns right guns it. Yeah, I could throw it, but it just it wasn't going in the direction that I wanted to. And then so CJ, CJ saw that I was having difficulty and that I was, you know, kind of getting a little bit aggravated that I wasn't doing so well. It was kind of embarrassing. So he came over to me and he was like, Lucy, like, this is how you do it. You got to hold the ball like this. But like the way he did it was so patient and like so understanding and just like really, really friendly and cool. So he gives me his tips. And then the next time I go to bowl, you know, I'm a little bit better, but like, yeah, not that great. <laughs> and then a couple more times, like, I keep getting better and better and better. And then I finally rolled a strike. And I just remember nice. turning around and jumping up and down. And CJ looked at me and his smile was so big. And um, he ran over to me, he gave me a big hug and he gave me a giant high five and he was like you did it kiddo and i was like yay <laughs> he, he was like i knew you could i'm so proud of you uh, and like that was so cool um definitely the best moment and then um i also got to play the drums um for like one or two songs at the end of the set he called me up and that was also really cool but you know i was playing pete's setup and he had on this tour huge symbols he had like a 20 inch ride or a 20 a 20 inch crash and i play a 20 inch ride and so he told me he told me going into it he was like you like you really have to like hit that crash for it to do anything and i was like, eh. like some guy just trying to tell me what to do but then when i started playing i sort of had to wind my arm all the way back and so could hit it with all my force and so like my core would hurt after I finished playing the song. Nice. But, um, yeah. Very cool. Now, I wanted to backtrack uh, for a second. And you had mentioned that the two of you toured with Kepi in Europe as his backing band. Now, how old were you when you guys toured with him? So, we met Kepi pretty early on in the band. Like, we had just put out our first record. And we were playing um, a birthday party of a local show promoter in Sacramento and Kepi's from Sacramento. Mm -hmm. So like we're from the same hometown and he came to the show and he was like 
pretty blown away when he saw my sister and I perform because we were so young and like very fiery. <laughs> um, so he was so friendly. And um, after the show, he gifted me like every single CD he, he had put out. He just like had it on him in his van. And I ended up walking away with like 12 CDs. And I just <laughs> sat down and was blown away by the Ruby Ghoulies. I was like, whoa, like, what is this? This is so stinking cool. And then that's actually how I got into the Ramones, like, right after that. So it was, like, this whole, like, punk thing idea was whirling around in my brain. And um, Kepi took us on our very first tour um, pretty shortly thereafter. But we were just going as Dog Party. Um, it was in 2011, I think. Or no, 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 no. Yeah. See, I it was. I'm looking at the poster. So um, it was it was a Southwest tour. We just went down to like Southern California, went over to Arizona, and then we hit New Mexico. And we came back. We ended up going to like Disneyland on our way back. Like, it was really fun and laid back. But it was kind of like testing the waters to see if Gwenny and I could tour because it was just you know a quick two week thing. He was super like impressed with how professional we were being so young and how like well behaved we were <laughs> so um his band ended up kind of falling apart um so we didn't have a band and he had this show that he was playing in like december um and he he called Gorney and i up and was like hey like do you guys want to be my band for this show and we were like hell yeah so we learned like a bunch of songs and it was super easy for me because like i already had studied each song so it was right, like second nature right. and then um so basically we played that show with him and he was like dang guys we were pretty sick as a band and Gwenny and i you know added the cool harmonies in the back so he was like how would you like it if we went over into this european tour and you know you guys were in my band and that dog party also opened we were like hell yeah so that was right when i was in um eighth grade it was like my um i actually missed my last day of school it was supposed to be my eighth grade graduation of course and i was on an airplane instead headed over to europe for my first european tour um and then so we were in kepi's band so i was 13 i know i was 12 i ended up turning 13 in italy <laughs> and then um we were in his band pretty much up until like um like five years. yeah we were in his band for five years and it was really awesome and he took us all over the united states numerous numerous times we toured europe with him twice and that's basically how we learned how to be like solid musicians we were playing two sets a night wow. for like two months straight every year our summer vacation so jeez and you know i find that really fascinating about the the whole lookout crew because you know, it's interesting that Kepi did that with the two of you. And I know, obviously, with Larry and, and the lookouts, I mean, Trey Cool is also, what, like 13 or something as well? Something like that. Yeah. So yeah. it's really, I, I find that really fascinating that they're, you know, those musicians, you know, seasoned musicians, um, they give, they, they're they giving the, the younger, uh, the next generation, these amazing opportunities yeah. to kind of. I think it's pretty rare, too, yeah. because I've come across a lot of, older musicians who like think that they're really cool and that I'm just like some like kid and I don't know what I'm doing and they just don't take me seriously and it really makes me mad sometimes because I'm like you know I'm trying to be here be a professional alongside 
you as like a peer and mm-hmm. you're just totally looking down on me. So it is really great when the, like the older generation looks to the younger um, generation and really influences them and tries to lift them up rather than trying to put them down. And I think too, like another thing with just judging by appearances and if anyone were to see my sister and I, we do look like our age fairly young. (laughs) And so one would only assume that we haven't been going at this for as long as we had. Yeah. Like not even half the amount of time, but we've been doing it for 13 years. Yeah. And then we always get on the stage and play and then leave some jaws dropped blow people <laughs> like, away i was not expecting that <laughs> now i i'm curious uh do you have do and this is for for the both of you obviously you know what are some words of advice that each of you would give to your preteen self because i know you've been involved in music i mean it sounds like pretty much your whole lives but as far as knowing what you know now what are some words of advice that you would give regarding music writing touring etc I definitely would give my younger self the advice of just, like, don't listen really to what, like, um, critics have to say. Mm. Critics in quotation marks. Because, like, everyone has an opinion or whatever, but, like, no one's opinion really matters. And it's your life and it's your craft and it's your passion so you shouldn't let their words like try to put you down or like tell you that you're like not good (laughs) um yeah what do you say i think like for me over the years something that's been really good that i've recognized is like although there are like crazy opportunities that constantly like get brought to our attention and maybe like not all of them end up working out but it's those that do that make it really worth it Let's burn down.